0: Hello there, and welcome to the Think Wealthy Podcast. I'm your host, David Prail. The Think Wealthy Podcast is sponsored by YDLP Investments, the home of the $10,000 commercial real estate investment. Hello, and welcome back to the Think Wealthy Podcast. I'm your host, David Prail, and today we're talking about commodities. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on commodities, Uh, just really give a good overview of it so you have an idea of what it is. And again, if you want to look into it more, look into it some more. There are people making a lot of good money in commodities, and there are people losing a lot of good money in commodities. So what are commodities? So commodities are just basic things that you'll buy even at the supermarket. Wheat, soybean, coffee, oil, include things like precious metal, gold, and platinum. In general, commodities are broken down into four primary categories: there's metals, energy, livestock, stash, meat, and agriculture. Uh, these are usually the raw materials that are either mined or produced and are commoditized, meaning it doesn't really matter who mines the gold or the oil or who raises the livestock. The price of a cow is always the same. The price of a bushel of wheat is always the same. And the price of a barrel of oil is all the same. These are just commodities. Now, while some people will watch these markets to make moves in the stock market, so, for example, if people see rising raw crude oil prices, they'll say, okay, we want to buy stock in oil companies. They'll benefit from rising prices, and it may be bad for airlines who are going to have higher expenses and therefore lower prices lower profit margins but those those are what some people do other people trade them directly now commodities aren't bought and sold directly like stocks you're not going out there and buying a barrel of oil or a thousand barrels of oil Uh, they work a little more like options in that you buy future contracts the key difference between an options contract and a futures contract are that future contracts are binding regardless of the underlying price action so for example Let's say a coffee farmer signs a contract with uh, Starbucks to to sell coffee beans on May 5th at $0.90 cents a pound. So then Starbucks will have to buy, and the farmer will be obligated to deliver, at the price on that date, regardless of the actual price. Right? There's no issue if it goes above or below the, the price, then you do or don't have to close the contract. You always have to deliver at that price. The reason for these contracts is to smooth out fluctuations and protect both the buyer and the seller from extreme volatility. If Starbucks knows it can line up its price of coffee for the next several months, so it knows what it can charge and it knows that it, 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 it can, they can forecast and they can budget. And the farmers also know that they're able to sell at a certain price. And obviously, they're losing out if it goes it like the coffee prices were to drop, so Starbucks loses out and now they have to buy it at a higher price. At the same time, they've locked it in and they, they've avoided issues of volatility. Uh, affecting their bottom line everybody's taking on a little bit of that uh of the cost and losing out on the upside but they gain the stability which is uh in, in the course of doing business is a very uh of course a very powerful thing now while companies will buy these contracts for the actual goods their traders can go out and buy and sell these contracts and benefit from the movement in value just like trading stocks So if you buy the contract at 90 cents a pound and then the prices go up, those contracts are worth more now because whoever buys the contract gets it below market price. You can benefit from that. The question becomes, though, is what happens when the contract comes due? So Starbucks is perfectly happy to accept 1,000 pounds of raw coffee beans, but you have Joe Trader sitting in his parents' basement who just executed a contract, (laughs) so... He wouldn't have what to do with those coffee beans, so what these traders do in this situation is they they roll the contract they roll the contract that means that they sell the current one, presumably someone at that stage very close to uh, expiration or at expiration, is someone who will actually be able to accept delivery, and then with those proceeds, they purchase another one, and that way they can continue to effectively be in their trade without having to accept shipment of ten thousand bushels of wheat. Now, commodities tend to swing back and forth within a given range. Unlike stocks, which can rise year over year and continue to grow, commodities tend to go up and down and, and fall into a chart. So, for example, I'm I'm just, uh, we got to get some video for this podcast, but for now, you have to trust me, I'm looking at a chart of uh, soybean futures. So, back in the 1970s, they were down at like a buck or two a share, but then pretty rapidly in the mid-70s, they kind of rose up to the they went into this range where they shot past five bucks a share, went up to almost twelve bucks a share, and then it stayed in this range for basically until 2010, and then it entered into a trend where it was between eight bucks a share and eighteen bucks a share for the next ten years. So it really doesn't move much uh, a share, but a bushel. So it, it, it kind of gets into these movements, and and the way the traders make their money is they try to figure out where it's going to go, what's what's the max, what's the lowest, and they play play around with that. Now, some commodities are bought as investments outright, or as a hedge, for example, precious metals. Dollar tends to move in the opposite of gold and other precious metals, so if people are afraid the dollar is going to drop... They buy gold, which they can do in the form of there are ETFs, and as we discussed, and there are there are mines you can buy into Uh, the actual companies that mine the gold. But you can go out and buy bullions and bars and just store them in your house or hopefully into some sort of safe. And some people use this as as a strategy to offset inflation. Now there are other challenges with buying up gold. For example, how much gold can you keep in your house? Uh, There are other inflation hedging options available. All in all, to have a small portion of one portfolio in precious metals, it could be a worthwhile strategy. Uh, you just want to make sure that your supplier is, is an honest person. You're getting real gold, and because um, there are definitely situations people will buy precious metals and find out that it's uh, the inside is not not that. It's just the, it's just an outer layer they built. So you know, be careful when you're buying that stuff. If you want to buy that stuff. But uh, it's definitely a strategy worth exploring to have a small amount of money uh, put away in that. All right, that wraps up our discussion of commodities. We're not really going to dive too deep into that. And next time, we're going to move on to uh, a topic which is near and dear to my heart, and that is real estate. So thanks so much for joining. I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you learned something of value. If you've gained from this podcast, please do me a huge favor and leave a five-star review. If you feel that I haven't earned that five-star review, please reach out and let me know how we can earn your recommendation. Until next time, I'm David Prel, and thank you again for joining me today on the Think Wealthy podcast sponsored by YDLP Investments.